We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. And I always think this is amazing. When I set a course to preach through books of the Bible, um, I just think it's neat when we come to a passage that's perfectly timed for a day. This is Father's Day weekend, and our passage is all about spiritual fatherhood. And it just happens to be where we are as we walk through 1 Corinthians. So I trust that this is the passage that he wants us to receive today. And I'd like for us to pray and ask for his blessings over, over our time in his word. Would you bow with me? Father, there are all kinds of reasons that we might come to this passage in your word and leave empty-handed. There's all kinds of distracting thoughts going on in our minds. Uh, Some of our stomachs may be growling. We may be feeling sleepy from a busy week. Uh, I know many of these folks that you've brought here work extremely hard, and uh, it's rare for them to sit still in a quiet room like this. And I know it can be hard to focus and listen and, and receive. And so I ask that you would overcome all that, overcome all the barriers in each and every one of our hearts to a full receptance of your word. Help us not only to understand it and remember the important points of it, but to really see your glory through it and be transformed by it. And we confess that that can only happen if you do it. Uh, that can't happen through any willpower of ours or any eloquence of mine. Uh, we do not rest on the wisdom or eloquence of men here at this church. We rest on your power. And so please be powerful through your word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we read our passage um, I want to just talk to you about the church in general for a moment. I assume that I think about church probably 400 times as much as you think about church. Um, I think about church all the time. I read books about the church. I try to figure out the church all the time. And one thing that I have concluded is that there's something mysterious about the church. There's something mysterious about the church. That puts it just outside of our ability to fully understand and grasp. There's something miraculous about the church. Almost in the same way that I don't think we can fully understand the Trinity, that God is three yet one. And I don't think we can fully understand he's sovereign, yet we're free. We have free will, yet he's in control. There's mysteriousness to the church that I I don't think we fully grasp. And I think sometimes we accept a mundane view of what the church is, and when it's really something very glorious. That's why if you walk through a Christian bookstore, through some of the leadership aisles, you'll see tons and tons of books about the church. They're usually two words, or maybe three, and it's different church. Uh, one I just bought a couple weeks ago was Living Church. There's Purpose Driven Church. There's Simple Church. There's Everyday Church. These are all real book titles that I have. And there's many, many others, different people from different angles trying to figure out and capture what the church is, how we ought to operate as a church. And it's very, very glorious. The Bible uses lots of different metaphors for the church. It calls the church the body of Christ, the branch of Christ. Christ is the vine, we're the branches. The bride of Christ, the flock of Christ. 
the temple of God, the house of God, the pillar of the truth. Already in 1 Corinthians, we've seen the church talked about as a field or as a building. All these different metaphors, ways of trying to grasp what this is that we've been called into and gathered into. But there's one metaphor in particular that we should think about this morning, and that is the church as the family of God. One way of understanding what we are together is through the lens of family. We are a spiritual family. And even within that metaphor, there's different levels of understanding what that means. So in the broadest sense, God, through Jesus Christ, adopted us. We were rebels and enemies, and God reconciled with us so thoroughly that he actually adopted us into his family. And so God the Father is our shared father. And in a very real way, we're brothers and sisters. We're siblings in the church. There's another sense that we can think about the church as a family. Uh, You see it in the book of Titus, where every older Christian you should respect as a father or mother. Give the same respect you would as a father or mother. And every younger Christian you should take responsibility over, kind of like a child in the family of God. So these are two sort of general ideas. And then in today's passage, we get a very specific idea of the church as the family of God. Paul, in our passage today, refers to these Christians as his beloved children. See, Paul came with the gospel and planted this church and felt a very real fatherly responsibility for these people. And so he writes to them as his beloved children. Now, I don't want to make too much out of the fatherhood language here. I don't want to make more out of this than the Bible does. But I think we can say that we see represented in Scripture a, a radical, familial sense of responsibility for one another in the church. I think that's what Paul's getting at in this passage we're about to read. He feels deeply responsible for these Christians, the way a father does a child. He says it a different way over in Galatians 4.19, and it takes more of a maternal approach, but he says, My little children... For whom I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He feels this gut-wrenching responsibility for the Christians under his care. It's a lot more than a client-company relationship. It's a father-child relationship. So, what we're going to do, and I'm going to try to be as straightforward as I can. This is my gift to you fathers. I'm going to try to just preach to you a straightforward and probably concise sermon. And you may be thinking, based on this introduction, I find this hard to believe. But I think it will be. It's only three points. And I just want to observe spiritual fatherhood in this passage and hope that it will be an inspiration to all of us to be spiritual fathers and mothers to younger Christians and to um, seek out spiritual fathers and mothers in the church. I want us just to observe what it looks like, and I want us to receive it. Because I believe that God, through Paul penning this letter, is offering this spiritual fatherhood to all of us through this message. So it's kind of two levels that we'll receive this passage. So let's read it together, and then we'll look at it together. Beginning at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Paul writes, After having used cutting sarcasm to make a point about something wrong with the Corinthian Christians, he writes, 
I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? The first thing I want to point out to you about spiritual fatherhood in the passage is the concept of example, or modeling. If you're wondering how you can be a spiritual father, or what to look for in a spiritual father, or if you are a biological father, and are wondering how to be a good spiritual father to your children, start with example. Look in verse 16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. He invites them to be imitators of him. So ask yourself the question, male or female, whoever, whatever gender you are, if everyone who's younger than you in this church grew to be just like you, what sort of church would we have in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years? So think of our actual young people. Think of Cam and Elias and Caleb and all of our kids and then our youths, the Walsh boys and Ashlyn. And if all these younger generations grow to be just like you, what kind of church will we have in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years? Now, the reason this is important to ask is because they will very likely grow to be like you. Because you are who they see as the examples of older Christians right now. So whether you like it or not, they will very likely emulate you. Especially your biological children and grandchildren. If they see you as the example of older Christians, that's what they will view as what they're growing into. Our example is extremely important. Who we are speaks way more loudly than what we say to the younger generations. So Paul here is saying, imitate me. In context with what we've been studying in 1 Corinthians, he means imitate the way I humbly rely on the power of God and not the wisdom of men. But being a spiritual father, it starts here. Imitate me. I'm going to show you what it looks like. Live as I live. The second facet of spiritual fatherhood we see in verse 17 is reminding. Verse 17, he says, That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Now this is closely connected with the example because that's what he's reminding them of. But it's worth noting that he charitably is suggesting that the problem in the Corinthian church 
The reason that they're drifting away from the gospel and instead worshiping the skills of man is not that they just outright hate God, but that they just are forgetting. They're forgetting what's true about the gospel. We have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency to forget what we know to be true in the gospel. And we need more mature spiritual people in our lives to remind us continually. Remember, remember. I don't know if you've ever been working on a document on your computer and it shuts down unexpectedly before you're able to save it. And the next time you open it back up, at least my system has a little thing on the side that says, uh, we have this version of this document. Do you want to save this? You remember this is where you were. See, we are for one another sort of a built-in memory mechanism for the church. We are to remind each other. We are to know each other, be aware of each other's lives, and remind each other when we see that we are forgetting things that are true. Modeling, reminding, and lastly, confronting. Look at verses 18 through 21. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Now, this whole letter so far has been pretty confrontational. He's basically told the the Corinthians, you are acting like non-Christians. You're acting like you don't even know the power of the gospel. And he's gotten so confrontational that at the beginning of it, in verse 14, he has to kind of soften it a little bit, where he says, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as beloved children. See, Paul was not afraid to confront the sin in his spiritual children's lives. And there has to be a place for this in the church. There has to be a place for us to confront one another. Particularly the more mature Christians confronting the less mature Christians. Now you might be thinking that seems like it would get a little uncomfortable. You know, church is supposed to be a happy place. Church is a place where smiles happen. Not where uncomfortable confrontation happens. This should be the one place where we're free from such things, where it's not stressful. But I would argue that the very most uncomfortable conversations should probably happen within the church family. Because where else are they going to happen? Who else in your life should know you and love you enough to point out to you what you are doing is wrong? Who else in your life is going to love you enough to speak hard truth to you, if not in the church family? If we don't do that for each other, it's probably not going to happen. And people are going to spiral off into sinful decisions and lifestyles and make shipwreck of their lives. When we see sin in each other, we must act. Now, a lot of this, being examples for one another, reminding one another, confronting one another, a lot of this is meant to happen just back and forth between the siblings as a loving family in Christ. But every once in a while, the Lord is so gracious that he blesses us with spiritual fathers who will look at us and take responsibility for us. 
It's different from guides. Verse 15, he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. I find that to be true. I was thinking back over, do I have any spiritual fathers? I'd like for you to think, do you have any spiritual fathers? And I have a lot of guides, a lot of teachers. I've had many pastors and many youth pastors and many professors and many helpful older Christians that kind of come and go. They were helpful and faithful for a season, and then the Lord called them elsewhere or called me elsewhere, and that's fine. But every once in a while, the Lord enables us to have a relationship that's more than that. Every once in a while, the Lord gives us spiritual parents. And these are people who will continue to feel responsibility for us over the seasons of life, throughout the transitions. Now, I wonder if you have anybody in, like, in your life that's like that. I think of my mom as a spiritual mother in that sense. This Father's Day, I want to encourage you to think about spiritual fatherhood. And if you have any spiritual fathers in your life, I want to encourage you to thank them, to get in touch with them, call them or text them or go see them or send them a card and say, thank you for taking responsibility for me in my walk with Christ. I want to invite you to receive this kind of ministry, to be open to it, and to offer this kind of spiritual fatherhood to younger Christians. There's lots of different ways that we can begin to relate to each other in light of our spiritual family bond, as opposed to just casual acquaintances. Simple stuff like praying for one another, Uh, prayerfully approaching one another to seek counsel about specific life issues or decisions, following up on things that you've heard in conversation when we share our meal in here or through the week, recommending a book for someone that's meant a lot to you and you can read it together and get together and discuss it. When you're having a, have a play date with another mom and get together and talk about spiritually significant things. Linger around before or after Sunday services to talk and connect with one another. There's lots of small steps we can take. But I pray and I hope that in our church we will see our spiritual bond as a family in God grow and strengthen. In a billion different little conversations in different ways. May each and every one of you, may the Lord bring spiritual fathers into your life. People who will model for you what mature Christianity looks like. People who will remind you when you forget the gospel. People who will confront you when you stray into sin. May the Lord bring many people like that into our lives. And may he use us that way in each other's lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this blessing of the church that you allow us to be together. And please help us to live in light of our real unity in Christ. Help us to take responsibility for one another. Help us to be examples for younger Christians in our church. Help us to look out for them and remind them of the gospel. And give us boldness and clarity to confront when we see sin encroaching. In Jesus' name, amen.